What's up, Big T? Hey, mate, I'm, I'm feeling great. It's been a long weekend, long weekend of football. How good uh, is it? Which is always great for me. Yeah, well, point. how good is it? You, you had to wait the whole weekend for your game. How was that? <laughs> I thought we agreed we weren't going to talk about that on this one. But, yeah, it, has, it wasn't nice for, for the Dragons. It wasn't nice waiting all weekend for that. But, um, yeah, mate, there's plenty of international and rugby league news all around the place going on True. this week. So there's plenty to talk about. Uh, I'm Michael Carboni. This is episode 68 of the Chasing Kangaroos podcast. You're listening to Chasing Kangaroos, the rugby league podcast for fans who are passionate about seeing the game played in more places. Mate, as we said, plenty going on. I've been excited about this episode in particular because once again, it's a big T special. It's you interviewing someone. And mate, I'm, uh, well, we might as well say it at the top. Everyone knows it's Petro Sivanaseva. He's going to be talking Kaviti yeah. Silk Tales. Once again, I haven't heard the, the discussion, but man, so pumped. I can't wait to hear it. Um, and yeah, I thought it was funny when we, um, when we first announced we're having Petro on the show, because I, obviously I look after the socials for Chasing Kangaroos and I, I triple checked, maybe even quadruple checked the spelling of Sivanaseva. Like I made, I was so sure, I double checked, I got someone to check for me, I googled it quickly, <laughs> I got it out there, I was happy with myself, and then we got a message from uh, from Petro's team saying, oh, mate, you spelled Petro wrong, and I'm like, oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, it's, it doesn't matter how hard we try, but uh, yeah, it's it's we got there in the end, but man, your chat with Petro, how was he? Petro, I think is how you uh, pronounce it phonetically, his, uh, his first name. Um yeah, I mean, I loved it. It was like a dream coming true of, of sorts. Like, he's such a legendary player for Queensland, for Australia, for Fiji, for the Broncos, for Penrith. You know, he's a kid. For the, as, a, as a kid, a lot of us would have loved it. Cubs, there's no way that we're not hearing your phone going because the Dragons got pumped. Yeah. I'm, I keep I, hearing you go. <laughs> the messages do not slow down. Whenever the Dragons lose, I've always gotten plenty of messages. But, um, yeah. yeah, it doesn't slow down it. no matter how shit they are. So, yeah, keep them coming, yeah. guys. Keep them coming. Yeah, I love <laughs> it. I'm, I'm just – every single one is making me smile. Um, so, he uh, – I mean, if it makes you feel any better, I was, I was trying to have breakfast today with my family and was getting my, – my Twitter was still lit up with people debating over why the Tigers won or why the Tigers lose every weekend as well. So, um, the t- Telstra and Optus are the big winners. Uh, yeah, so the, the chat was great. He's great. He's such a nice bloke. I don't want to do the whole – nice this bloke in rugby league and I say this every week. But really, you're going to hear this chat. Um, anchor almost ruins us again. And I think it's the last anchor – oh, no, I did one with that Kiwi – um, Mega, the goat of, of Kiwi Rugby League oh, is coming up soon. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. Yeah. So that's our last anchor one. So hopefully the um, the delay doesn't come up in this one or, or Merch is able to magic it so that doesn't sound too bad. But um, he's such a lovely bloke, so generous with his time, uh, so well-spoken. It's an absolute pleasure to talk to. And and really, Cubs, I've got to thank you because the amount of legends that I'm talking to is all because you, you've said, okay, uh, Big T, you take that one. And so without you... 
being you know generous and humble with your with your podcast, I wouldn't be able to do any of them, let alone these mega ones. So thank you, sir. Oh, dude, don't thank me. You put in all the hard work with Petro. I, I wasn't going to take that one from you. And I love it that everyone you speak to is the nicest guy or girl in rugby league. I can't wait till you <laughs> meet till you interview like the biggest asshole in rugby league, and I want to see how honest <laughs> you are. But like, it's always the nicest guy, and and, and Petro, by all accounts, is one of the nicest guys out there as well so yeah can't yeah. wait can't wait to hear it as i said what was your biggest takeaway from the chat i mean again i'm always so excited by their structural things that they put in place so they've got they're, they're building also like a center of excellence kind yeah. of vibe yeah building coaches building referees i just never think about that stuff i always just think about do they have players do they have teams how do they how do they travel around the thing and and all of these emerging nations point out that coaches and referees uh, the th- anyone can find players, heaps of people want to play, but how good are they at actually adjudicating what happens and how good are they at making people better um, seems to be a real differentiator between here is success in an emerging nation and here's where they're still trying to emerge. It's and, one- and how yeah. how Petro talks that through was a, was a real highlight. It's one thing that comes up a lot and, you know, it's good to see this sort of thing happening because they're obviously going to get help in Fiji. Um, Was there any question that now thinking back, because it was a couple of weeks ago that you spoke to the big guy, was there a question that you now in hindsight wish you would have asked that you didn't? Well, now that, I mean, you you sensibly read through my questions and and asked him, wanted me to ask him also about the Pacific Therese, which I think we've got some stuff to talk about a bit later on, but he wasn't too across it yet. Um, and so I now kind of not not wish that I asked him at the time because that would have been a question I wanted to ask him at the time, but sensibly um, I listened to you and, and took that feedback on and so asked him. But now that he's had some time, because we've passed some details on to him and, and I think they've started talking. So now that time has passed, I want to ask him what's happening with you guys and Therese and, and um, has anything developed. Uh, hopefully we see some stuff in, in social media soon and hopefully we get some cheeky golden points out of it soon because I'd love to see that happening with Pacific Silvertails, PNG, uh, and the Pacific Therese all linking up during this COVID weirdness. Yeah, yeah, that'll be cool. And if we ever see that that match between um, the Cavite Silktails and Pacific Trez, we might know we we'll be able to take some credit for that. Maybe who knows? But yeah, all good. I won't. You were that was that was your. I've got go. it in writing that it was your idea, <laughs> and your question. I just asked it. I see my lawyer has been in touch. That's good, uh, mate. Go, go, <laughs> golden points. Um, we'll do it. We've got a few. There's like rugby league is back, so like or it's starting to wake up all the way around the world, not just the NRL. So let's start in Fiji because since you spoke to Petro, um, the Kavidi Silk Tales have named the head coach, and it's Wes Nagama. So I think that's fantastic. Like he was the next. So exciting. Yeah, Fiji buddy, captain. Played in the NRL and the Super League, and like just played with such passion for that Barty jersey, and he's going to do wonderful things for the Silk Tales. So that's golden point number one from Fiji. Golden point number two is the Vusu Raiders. They're set to join the 2020 Vodafone Cup once it kicks off again over in Fiji as well. Once the COVID nineteen uh, is lifted, and they can get out there again. And the best part of that for me is, and it and it speaks volumes to what Petro and the guys are doing with Cavite Silk Tales, but. This season's Vodafone Cup is going to have 22 clubs. So that's Woofed. that's like the top level, 22 clubs in a, in a nation like islands that consist of, I don't know, like it's under a million people. Like it's the mm. populations are not huge. So to have 22 clubs, all of these guys will be vying for spots in that Cavite side. It's, it's just already wonderful things happening. And yeah, it's onward and upwards. I think Fiji are going to be a real smoky in the next World Cup or two. Woofed. 
There's, there's not just a golden point. There's a golden prediction. It's a golden prediction. We haven't, you know what? We haven't had a sandwich bet in a while. I was thinking about this mm. today. We did the first well, few episodes. We've we got a go. bunch. We've got a bunch on the World Cup coming up, and we've got a bunch riding that are live. It's just we haven't done any that are the short on. Um, did we do any with the NRL app with Mary Kay? Uh, I I think we did. I've got to go, but you know what? I want to go back and listen to that episode we did with Mary Kay. Who gets a who gets yeah. a shout out every week on this show now? I love it. I hope she's <laughs> listening. Um, but I want to listen to that and compare it to what we know, like because we recorded that yeah. before COVID nineteen hit. So yeah. what it like? It would be a completely different episode if we recorded that we've heard today. So it would mm. be interesting to see what we said. I'm sure a lot of the things would still be because we said things like you know Trebojevic for for Daliam and. Manly Smoky, or oh, we said so many, yeah. yeah, there were so many good things there. So it'll be interesting to go back and listen. But I reckon we can do a sandwich bet that lasts next week or in the next few weeks anyway. So tell me what you think about this. So, Golden Point over to Serbia. So, Oof. Rugby League's back. This is one of the nations that are waking up to Rugby League once again after this whole corona pandemic. And uh, mm. the Serbian Cup continues. Um, and this week or last weekend, Red Star Belgrade just doing what they normally do. With a ninety-four to nil shellacking of yep. Parchin, I don't know if I pronounced that correctly, but you yeah, didn't. Red's probably not. But we're trying, which is what yep. you know. That's all you can ask for with uh, some yep. of the names and teams we we we, we pronounce. We're trying. Um, Hi, Aaron Mullen. Hello, Aaron. Mo- yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, well, I didn't want to say it, but you know, you you did that. Well, you I went just said hi. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just saying hi to her. I'm sure she's a listener. Look, my, the lawyers will be into anyway. No, but yes, yeah, so Red Star <laughs> Belgrade absolutely shellacking. They're they're through to the semi final. So it's important to note, like the the Serbian Cup, it's a knockout cup style format. So it goes alongside their Premiership competition as well. But they're up to the semi final. So the semi finals next weekend, we've got Radnik Inish versus the Dorku Tigers at Tigrove. But the game that I reckon we should have a sandwich bet on is Red Star yeah. Belgrade versus Partizan Belgrade, which is, uh, of course, yeah. your Serbian team. Yeah. Oh, we'll for it. sure. I'm on Partizan, for sure. We do it? We're done. They've been right. building cards. They've been building. I mean, all of my information comes from you, so you could have easily been, this could have been a long play, the longest sandwich bet in history where you've been telling me Partizan's on the build and, and I bought in. But I'm on Partizan, for sure. So there, is that next week? I, I'm not sure when it is because it's a cup okay. competition, so it's not like a weekly, oh, okay, yeah. yeah. But it, it should be soon. And, yeah, I, look, don't underestimate how much I want that sandwich. So it could have been the longest <laughs> play in history, <laughs> but, but we're there. Oh. Yeah. What do you got? You got any, have you got any golden points? Well, I mean, I'm all about Russia, right? And, um, unfortunately, uh, Russian rugby league's been delayed again thanks to COVID restrictions. Russia is, I think, as a country, is still weirdly not struggling with it, but dealing with it in a Russian way. And so rugby league, like a lot of sports there, is, is one of the uh, victims of – well, victims probably the wrong word, but it's, it's being delayed. It's, it's a short thing. But our eyes are always on Russia, so the moment we get any more news about that, I'm sure we'll golden point it. Yeah, it'll be right here. So, of course, um, we heard over the weekend again – uh, restrictions will not be lifted to at least 20, 25th of uh, July over in Russia on mm. all sport. So, of course, that includes rugby league. And it's a shame because they're ready to go. We spoke to John Christie before yeah. this all happened and they were ready to go. Or it might have been as this started. And um, now they're sort of thinking that the competition will probably start around August, um, which is fine. But the problem is going to be that union starts in September. 
So right. the idea originally, of course, which if you go back and listen to that episode uh, from Russia with scrums with John Christie, um, the idea was to play in the union off-season so that some of the boys could have a go at rugby league as well. They're going to have to figure out what to do. They're working on a few options, John told me um, a couple of days ago. So once we hear more from him, um, we'll, of course, let you guys know as well. And, uh, yeah, hopefully Russian Rugby League can be back. Rugby League can be back in a big way in Russia towards the end of this year. If I end up being cut for whatever reason from this podcast and I'm never allowed to come back after next week, I will always be proud of the name From Russia with Scrums. That was yours. the biggest... Yeah. That was probably the biggest input I've ever had in this podcast, <laughs> and it's probably the most proud I've ever been. And I've interviewed a bunch of people. I've interviewed Petro for your podcast, but I still think <laughs> From Russia with Scrums is the best thing I've done, uh, and uh, and that's I'm still proud of that to this day. If I if I get one of my my OAM, it'll be for <laughs> that. Get my, that'll be part of it. It's got to be part of the body of work that's put towards it. Hey, um, the other great thing that's happened, well, we, we talked about um, the Philippines and Fiji. Yeah. Do you know much about that Asian heritage stuff about Sean Johnson that came out during the week? That's really interesting. So that was cool to hear. I didn't even know Sean. I think I knew somewhere in the back of my mind, I knew that he had like Laos heritage. Um, but it wasn't something I was like highly aware of. But he's they've come out, the Asian Rugby League or the ASEAN Rugby League have announced him as like the face of, of the heri- this new... Heritage, Asian Heritage League that's being launched in Sydney, and he's going to help launch the Laos Rugby League Federation as well. Um, so that's really interesting. It's good to see a player of his calibre getting behind, you know, the, some of the like Asian Heritage sort of players that are coming through. I read um, the art- the article was by Brad Walter um, for, on NRL.com, who's always always fan- a fantastic read for anyone anyone who's listening that you know wants to read some awesome stuff. That on NRL.com that isn't necessarily just NRL related, like he does a great job. But mate, um, I just think it's great. It's great to see. And hopefully we see, it's it's funny because I, I was speaking to some guys from New South Wales Rugby League not long ago, and they told me how important, like, in developing the game in, in the junior areas, especially in Western Sydney, it's always been important to get um, some of the migrant cultures into rugby league. So you're like when, for example, when, uh, my grandparents came to this country. Their kids, the the Italian Australians, were playing mm. footy, you know, and they 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 that's how they sort of yeah, sort of became part of the Australian culture as well. And why we have such a beautiful, you know, beautiful culture and society in Australia now with all these different nationalities and and combined. And um, so now they're saying the same sort of thing is happening with some of the Asian community in Western Sydney and the Indian community and also some of these like African communities as well. So they're all picking up and learning rugby league and it's just a beautiful thing because they can, they can bring their culture and their flavor to our sport, which I think is amazing and good on Sean Johnson, man. We should try and get him on the show. Yeah. And, and two things about that. First of all, that, that program that New South Wales rugby league is doing is called tri league. Yep. And we haven't, I'm interviewing, um, the CEO, David Trodden, from New South Wales Rugby League tomorrow for this podcast about Tri-League and its aims and, and all of those things, and it's going to directly tie into um, all those those areas you just talked about then, Indian heritage and, yeah. and all those uh, people who are families and communities that that are trying to, you know, b- build their lives in Australia and how they how Rugby League can help them with that. But, uh, but we should also mention that that Asian article did have a bit of a weird – blowback from some of the other parts of the yep. um, Asian rugby league community. And so 
We, we already tried to reach out to Sean Johnson through some of our channels and, and some of our um, Southeast Asian people said actually that article was oddly weird because they also believe, they also said that Brad is usually a great um, journalist and, and weren't discrediting him but did say that that article had some weird points in it that didn't, that didn't fit well with their, what that, the, their side of the narrative. So hopefully that, that doesn't get too skewed in that community, that, that part of the world, because I know Asia as a rugby league Beast, kind of like America, could be a, a big slumbering giant that when she wakes up could be great. And I know so many people are working so hard in that part of the world to get rugby league going. So I hope this was maybe just a, a one-off or the article's a bit, you know, missed some things and, and really Asia is still, or Southeast Asia is still working harmoniously together to move forward. Uh, I don't know too much more about it or I don't want to say too much more on behalf of other people, but I hope I hope that this last thing goes well and I hope everybody involved, you know, is, is still feeling friendly and, and everyone's moving forward. Yeah, nicely. so much more to come on this one, I'm sure. Yeah. And speaking of so much more to come, you got Dave Trodden interview tomorrow. Um, yeah. We need to like we need to somehow convince Mercho to like mix and and edit like two or three episodes a week for us because we've got so much content. Like this is, I was explaining <laughs> to a mate it every of, week. <laughs> I was explaining to a mate of mine. He's going, oh, who who um who have you got coming up? And I was going through the episodes that we have, the interviews that we've got already recorded. And then I realized today that I had forgotten a couple. So I'm like, we have so much great content coming. So I, I hate to keep saying that. Like, I feel like I'm starting to sound a bit wankerish, but you know, whatever, who cares? We've got so much great content coming up and it's, I kind of want to be able to fit in as much as we can. So like, we'll, we'll keep it coming. Like, and one of the, one thing that I'm trying to fit in and figure out where it all works is there's constant news coming out at the moment about Euro 13, which is another yes. big golden point here. I'm so glad you brought that up. Euro 13 deadline for applications has passed from what yep. we're hearing oh i understand that 23 clubs from 23 nations have have um have put in applications the very three yeah the the very not 23 clubs you're saying 23 nations 23 nations yeah so there, there wow. some nations include multiple clubs as well um yep. the very strange thing is they've already started announcing clubs even mm. though the application process wasn't done, or it is now, but they've they've announced the first five, which is like been which like threw me off. I wasn't expecting that, so it's kind of cool. Um, yeah. But let look. Why don't we go through those those nation those clubs? Sorry, that have been named so far, and let's um maybe expand upon what we know about these guys. How's, how's that sound? I love it. Yeah, and, and to, I'm going to hit you with the first one because this is the one that I the, my favorite. Yeah. name. What were you going to say before I hit you with my favorite? Oh, name? I was going to say, and what we need to try and do is because like there's so much rugby. Li- like when I first started this podcast with my mates, we sort of thought, well, are we going to have enough to talk about each week? And like fast forward to <laughs> almost two years later, and it's like we're trying to convince Mercho to produ- edit and produce two or three episodes a week. So it's insane. Yeah, yeah. So we're trying. To, I'm trying to figure out. Like I don't want this to become the Euro 13 show, but I do want to, you know, have a little bit of news wherever we can re Euro 13s. But I'm Mm. thinking maybe the best way to go about it is in the lead up to the competition kicking off in January next year, we try and get people from some of the clubs involved onto the show, talk a little bit about Euro 13s, but more so talk about that club, their history, what's going on in their nation and all that sort of thing, which I think would be more suitable to this show. So I've already been in contact with the guys from the Dublin Blues. Um, I've spoken to uh, – anyway, I won't, I won't announce all the clubs because you're, I think we're about to go through them. But I think – I don't know. We haven't spoke about a Big T, but I think that's probably the best way to move forward for us. Sounds great. And, and I've just started researching and interviewing people for an article about them as well for the Raw. So 
Uh, I've, I've asked already the, the a bunch of those clubs about the history, who's involved, what they're expecting, things like that. So I'm really excited about getting that article out during the week, which is exactly what the kind of thing you're talking about. We're just trying to give as much news as we can without overloading everyone with too yeah. much craziness at once. Now, look, my favourite name, North Brussels Gorillas. <laughs> Everyone's saying it's the, the Angry Squirrels, which is cute, but Gorillas is such a great um, animal for football. I just I think that's the best. Um, they won the 2015 uh, BNRL Championship. Here's yep. something to get around already. I love that. That's huge, um, the Belgian Rugby League, yeah? So that, yeah. And you don't, I love it when you see a club with a mascot that you haven't really seen before. Like, there yeah. always seems to be roosters and tigers and dragons and whatever, which is fine. But when you see, like, other oh, gorillas, awesome. Like, it's unique. And um, it's interesting because Rugby League in Belgium, this is one area where there isn't a lot of Rugby League played. So that 2015 Belgium Championship, I haven't heard much that has happened over there since. And I know these guys from North Brussels, they've, it's more of a social club. They've played in, like... Um, they've played in the, um, in the nines in Netherlands and things like that. So they do play as much as they can, but they don't get a lot of competition because there isn't a lot of rugby league in Belgium. And you'll find this to be the case for a lot of these Euro 13s clubs. So it's, uh, for them, like it's a really good opportunity for them to get a game or two under their belt, hopefully four, because next year it's a knockout comp, 16 teams. So there'll be a maximum four games for, for any club that makes it all the way to the end. So hopefully they get a few games under their belt. They get to travel, play a few other te- teams of their quality and standard, get a few draft picks that can help them develop mm. the game in their country and, and hopefully raise some interest in Belgium. So I think that's fantastic for these guys. Well, even that that, that championship that they won had one Belgian team and three Dutch teams. So, I mean, that yeah. just speaks to how little they get um, in that country. Okay, so that's the Belgian one. Mad Squirrels, that's everyone's favourite, everyone else's favourite mascot. Um, also loving them. They've been around for for a while, twelve years, I think. Um, and it's and their their big thing's been focusing on training up kids. I think it, which has been great. They, I think they have the Czech now has eleven clubs, um, but only four can play in the first league. So they're also a really interesting dynamic in their country and and have had a small amount of history, but but are still working towards um, becoming, you know, something that they can say is the best. And I think that's why a lot of these. A lot of these comp- comps are, are re- sorry. A lot of these teams are really excited about getting into this comp because they really want to measure themselves against yeah, other amateur and, and semi-amateur teams. What, what else do you know about them? Definitely. Well, the club, yeah, the club Mad Squirrels. They're probably the most in our like international expansion circles. They'd be one of the more well-known clubs because their name like stands out again. Like the club Mad Squirrels. <laughs> yeah. Like that's it's awesome. You, everything you said is correct. Like in, in like the Czech Rugby League, eleven clubs, but. Some of the clubs sort of have to play together or, or fo- have formed squads right. together to get more games happening. There's f- only four clubs in the top division. The rest are in the bottom division, uh, second division. But what, what the Mad Squirrels are doing better than anyone else is they're developing young players. So they'll have kids training, playing touch footy, playing tackle footy. They play in like rugby sevens tournaments and things like that just to get them playing uh, playing any sort of rugby at all, to be honest with you. But they're focused on their rugby league. They're developing rugby league players from from you know under the age of ten, and there's 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 potential there for that to grow as well. So I think the Mad Squirrels, and that's probably the that if you're we talk swag every week, 
Uh, mascotbrowns.com, mascotbrowns.com.au, Big T. And I know you're, you're mm. a regular customer of theirs now. Uh, 2020 vision for 10% off, as our listeners know. But if they can get the Vaclubby Mad Squirrels jersey on Mascot Browns, that will sell out, I reckon, very quickly. Yeah, or a T-shirt with a little squirrel on it um, in, in the corner. That would be excellent. I'd definitely get around that. Um, now, the Dublin Blues, I think that's the oldest club. I think they came around in 1989, 1988. They, they did disappear for a little period of time and got resurrected. Their badge seems to be around New South Wales Blues, which was amazing. Um, and they're also another team that, that's trying to make something in their country, a country that has a huge rugby union um, following, but they're, they're trying really hard at the rugby league. And, and their main focus isn't just about seeing where they're at. Their main focus, they said, is actually winning the entire thing. And that's a real, I love that as a concept that they're, they're, they're not just there to see where they're at. They're there to, to be the best of what's there, which is a fantastic outlook. What, what do you know about Dublin? I'm loving your knowledge, Big T. Your research has oh, been thanks, incredible. Jamie. And yeah, Dublin, as you said, yeah, they have been around the longest, but they haven't been a, this is this is a resurrection of Dublin, yeah. and the last time we heard about the Dublin Blues was around about the time that the Toronto Wolfpack were born, and they were the Dublin Blues were talking about getting a club up in Ireland that could get into League One and make their way up to Super League, and it never quite happened, never quite got the legs, but there was a little bit of noise about it, and then I guess Toronto Wolfpack kind of stole a show and just ran with it, and they are where they are today. Not to say that they're the reason Dublin aren't there now, but. You know, they, they just didn't have quite the steam. So it's good to see this club being resurrected. Um, I'm really interested to find out where their players come from. Because uh, in, in a sense, for me, are they going to partner up with some of the other domestic Irish clubs? Um, and because I know that like a combined domestic Irish side had a few games last year against some good competition and played quite well. So kind of the same way that like Cavite Silktails will be the best of the Fijian domestic national rugby league, could yeah. this Dublin Blues side sort of be made up from the best Irish domestic players? And if that's the case, you'd have to think they'd be one of the favourites to take this thing out. I don't know if that's going to be the case, but it kind of would make sense for mine. Now, the other great thing that you've reminded me about with um, those guys is that all three of those clubs have told me that they're open to international memberships, so just trying to work it through, which is something else that you usually can get through um, Mascot Browns. And so if you can't, also just hit them up on the DMs because supporting these people with whatever small amount of cash you can will really have such a massive impact, not just on the Euro 13s, but just on clubs littered out through Europe, which would be great. Um, the other one I think is is Budapest. Am I remembering that right? You are remembering it right. I know they're yellow. That's all I can remember about them. I've got very little information about Budapest. This is one that intrigues mm. me a lot. Hungarian Rugby League. Um, I don't know what's going on there domestically in great detail. So this is sort of one that I'm looking for answers and can't wait to see what actually comes from it. Oh, great. Well, that's me too. And then the fifth one, they're the only four that I'd seen so far on the socials. I must have missed one. Who's the fifth one? So Valencia were announced today. We're recording on Monday night. Ah. Of course, this will be released Tuesday, Wednesday. Valencia were announced today. Valencia Huracanes. That one, everyone was kind of expecting with Dean's, with Dean's yep. sort of... Um, uh, interest in the club as well and Spanish Rugby League. So they were the one that we're kind of expecting, but it's officially there. Um, and I, as I look, by the time this episode is released, I know there will be more clubs. So I've, yeah, there will definitely be another club or two by the time this episode is released on Tuesday or Wednesday. So maybe we'll talk about that next time. But yeah, really mm. interesting. I'm waiting for like a French club to be announced because I know some French clubs have, or apparently some French clubs have applied. And Really interestingly to me, I don't know how I don't know if this is true. I'm sure it is. I've heard that 
five English clubs have applied. Oh, dang. So I don't know what level these English clubs are at, but um, will be interesting to see because you'd assume that at least one of those English clubs will be selected. So really interested to see who that is. And um, yeah, really exciting times. Euro 13, building up some steam and news coming out every day. And also, this smells like another sandwich bet. I can't wait for all the teams to be released. We get to pick, maybe depending on how it gets done. If they're in, if they're in, you know, if they're sorry, if they're in, what, what do they call them? What do they call them in American sports? We have them in different conferences. Yeah. If we have them in different conferences or whatever, if we get to pick two or three of our favorite teams and then sandwich bet which one goes all the way or or whichever team goes the furthest wins, um, that's just something I thought about then that we actually get to pick a team soon. It's not just that they get to announce all the teams; I get to support some teams. New rugby league. It's so uh, hard because I always go phenomenal. for the expansion team, and this is a competition of expansion teams. Of expansion teams. <laughs> so, so it's like, who, yeah. who, who do we support? I don't know. It's going to be interesting, but we'll see what happens, mate. And, yeah, awesome stuff. I did want to mention um, Pacific Trez. So there was, they're going to be hosting oh, yes. an um, athletics testing day in partnership with the Solomon Islands Rugby League on June 12. So that's exciting. They just had one um, in New Caledonia as well. Um, they'll probably have one in Vanuatu soon. So okay. they're, re- they're they're getting around. They're trying to find that talent already. Um, it's, it's doing great things for all of these nations that, you know, in rugby league terms, not huge, uh, not huge in any terms, but they're, they're, they've certainly got some talent there. So look out for more news uh, in regards to Pacific Trez as well as they continue on in their journey towards uh, hopefully Queensland Cup. Now, the risk of annoying you, I'm going to give a quick shout-out to another podcast. It's a podcast. Yeah, hit it. Um, which is about, well, I mean, essentially so far it's kind of only been about Storm players, but um, it's done <laughs> by it's done by that guy whose name, I can't open my phone, so I can't remember anything. The guy who got done for... Um, drug, oh, Sandor Earl. Sandor Earl, thank you. The guy seems like, again, he's the host of this, and he seems like such a switched-on and really intelligent bloke. Are you talking I'm about really the Justin Ollum episode that he did not long ago? Yeah, yeah. he did that one, but he also does one. He also did one with um, Tui Kamakamika, which was also phenomenal to hear about um, uh, how, to, how he went through Fiji and how he went through PNG and where they are now, uh, and, and about their families and about how these people, how they both lived um, and now how they live and, and how awesome. they how they marry those two kind of worlds together. And it's phenomenal. It's a really interesting, really interesting listen. And it reminded me just then when you're talking about all these all these places that are trialing people out and, and, and they're trying to make something and trying to really just support their families. Um, and, and I don't mean families in the Australian Anglo sense where everyone's just worried about how they're going to support their wife and kids. Yeah. It's, they think, how am I going to support my brothers, sisters, uncles, Cousins. parents? Yeah. yeah. And, and it's a real... It's a real different perspective on the world, and it's a real motivator. And so they're fantastic stories. Um, and so you should definitely go and listen to that podcast if you if you're enjoying our chats to the Pacific Islanders, and the Polynesians, and Melanesian aspect of the world with rugby league. You should also go and give that. We, we need we need more of that. Hey, like we've got we, yeah. we do spread it around all over the world on this podcast, but I want to put some focus on some more more Islanders and and like I just think there's some great stories there, and we need to be a part of telling that i think and that's awesome i want to shout out before we head off to your chat with petro i know it's been a very long intro this week but plenty of good stuff happening in the world of rugby league i want to shout out to a podcast as well that's your other podcast sports best friends uh, and the reason the i want podcast to shout, could. <laughs> the reason i want to shout you out is because that finally before we go to petro i want to do something or take a leaf out of your book on that podcast where you like talk about tweets that you've seen and people interacting over twitter so um I wanted to shout out to Frullins on Twitter, 
who's a, oh, yeah. a listener of ours, and he said this. He said this, which I think was awesome. He said, "Hey, Cubs and Big T, I loved your rugby league dad chat last week. Had me laughing and nodding along. I've been in that boat for seven years now, watching bits and pieces of the game on the phone. As you say, dad first, then footy. And I just thought that was brilliant because, like, we're not the only ones <laughs> that are that are going through this sort of. I won't say pain because it's there's nothing better than than having a having kids and having a young family, but when you want to watch the footy and your your kids want to watch twirly woos, you know it can be difficult. <laughs> so I just I reckon we need to. I don't know what we do, Big T, but I think we need to start like a hashtag like Footy Dads or something that that is out there on Twitter, so that these Footy Dads can sort of let each other know that hey, you're not alone in this, brother. We're all here. We're all doing this, and we're all trying to watch as many highlights as we can. At the risk of at the risk of twenty twentying you, know, I'm sure there are heaps of other, like. Mums and and cousins and whatever they're also trying to get to the football and their families slowing them down in what other ways? So I don't know about don't know about footy dads, but the um, footy families or, or whatever. The the smartest thing is, and which I'm working so super hard on at the moment, is to just get that um, kid to also be obsessed with rugby league. And I know um, there's a there's I've got, I've got Courtney on um, on Twitter, uh, who's a massive Dragons fan, has done an excellent job with her son, who's a massive rugby league fan. Unfortunately for her, he goes to the West Tigers. But she at least spends every weekend talking and looking and doing everything around rugby league. So that's she's my life goal. If I can just get my entire family obsessed with it, then they'll be obsessed with like me, and I don't have to, you know, put twirly woos or whatever you said before, before the four p.m. game. It's funny you say twirly that. Twirly woos? Yeah. Well, you know, it's a good one. Twirly woos. Look it up. It's not as good I've as Bluey. I've never heard of it. Not as good as Bluey. Um, <laughs> funny you say that too, because my daughter tonight we're watching the Dragons and the Bulldogs, of course, Monday night, and uh, she says, Dad. I hate watching St. George. And I said, don't worry, so do I. So it's all good. And um, without any further ado, with that, (laughs) Big T, over to you and your awesome chat with Petro Sivanasiva. Thanks, Cubs. Sitting patiently on the phone today is a man who captained his country. He won three premierships with the Broncos and captained the Panthers. He won the Harry Sutherland Medal, the Dalian Prop of the Year, the RLPA Player of the Year, and the Ron McAuliffe Medal twice. And it was unsurprisingly inducted into the Hall of Fame. Incredibly, he has two medals named in his honour. The Petro Sivanasiva medal is given to the best Australian Fijian Rugby League Player of the Year, and the Sivanasiva medal is given to the best and fairest from the Queensland Cup. He is a deadly choice ambassador, a director of Petro Fiji Tours, and the co-founder of the Petro Sivanasiva Foundation. He is a man who we are deeply honoured to have on the show. Petro Sivanasiva, welcome to Chasing Kangaroos. Oh, thanks very much. Thanks for having me on. Um, now, tell me, tell me about how do you, what do you do when someone says, "Hey, let's make a medal in your honor." Like, I mean, you have to say yes, but I mean, getting an award is pretty prestigious. But having them after you, man, that's crazy. Yeah, look, it's pretty special. Um, uh, yeah, we've got the Australian Fijian Rugby League uh, Association um, for our Fijian community uh, in Australia. Um, so they uh, asked about uh, myself. Um, yeah, being a part of their award uh, night and then uh, naming the, the, their medal uh, in my honour. So that goes to the best uh, Fijian uh, rugby league player uh, for the year. And uh, and then, yeah, just recently um, with the uh, Interest Super Cup here in Queensland, um, they've uh, named their best and fairest um, uh, winner um, uh, medal uh, in, 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 uh, after me as well. So that was a, that was a great honour as well and um, something that, you know, obviously – very, very uh, grateful for, and um, yeah, just just a, a, a nice finish to to my football career and uh, and having these awards out there. Yeah, wow. So, how did you originally get into football? 
Yeah, look, I, I was a fan of a, a Fijian uh, a rugby union player um, mm-hmm. who uh, was given an opportunity in the late 1970s to, to move to, uh, to, to to Brisbane to, to play uh, rugby union and um, uh, for, for a local uh, team called the Redcliffe Demons. Uh, so, so Redcliffe is, uh, is, is where I grew up and where I still reside, actually. It's on the north side of Brisbane. Um, over uh, 30 minutes away uh, to the north of Brizzy. And, uh, yeah, the parents moved across. Um, I was only a few months old and wow. settled here in Brisbane. And, and that's where Dad, I guess, was, was fortunate enough to, to get his opportunity. And then we end up um, uh, Dad playing his, his rugby union career here in, in, in uh, at Redcliffe. And then uh, we stayed on and, and um, I was very fortunate to, uh, to school here. And then that's where I uh, fell in love with the game of rugby league. But how, if your dad's if your dad's modelling such a great um, display and love of rugby union, how did you end up in rugby league? Well, I actually played rugby union um, through my junior days, and uh, yeah. just growing up in this area, um, the local area was very very strong rugby league uh, territory, and uh, the Redcliffe Dolphins uh, rugby league football club are a, a famous club here in Queensland, and um, I guess a lot of uh, you know state of origin and Queensland players and Australian players have sort of come from the club and. So, yeah, there's a real rugby league stronghold here. And uh, so I guess I just followed my schoolmates and, um, and mm. played rugby league at school. And that's, that's, where, that's where it happened. So I was playing both, actually, and then sort of got serious, more serious about rugby league um, as I got into my mid-teens. That's incredible that your dad's uh, career in rugby union is the reason why we got petrol in rugby league. <laughs> yeah. So if he'd if it moved, you know, to maybe to Sydney where it had a stronger rugby union thing, you would have ended up being a Fiji uh, gold medalist, maybe yeah. you would have <laughs> with with their rugby. Oh, team. you never know. But yeah, look, it was just one of those things. I guess just as I said, growing up here in in, uh, in Brisbane and and this part of um, uh, this part of Queensland was it was a very uh, very strong uh, rugby league community. So um, and I said, uh, playing at a, a public school, going to a public school, I only played rugby league. So I didn't have much choice really. But uh, I ended up falling mm. in love with the game, and um, you know, idolised. You know our local footy team, the Redcliffe Dolphins, and um, you know we played juniors down there, and and that's that's where it all started. And so you you moved here when you're really young, but you you seem to have kept quite strong roots or quite or strong ties with the Fijian community, like with with the Petro Seven Silver Foundation. But what's that about? How, how's that come about? And and you know what? Why have you? Why has it still been such a strong connection? Yeah, look. To be honest, uh, the the connection really didn't happen until till quite late. Um, in, in my rugby league career and, um, you know, obviously growing up here in Australia, um, you know, we, we obviously still had, had family in, back in Fiji but, you know, growing up here and going to school here, you know, you, you're very much Australianised in, in, in your, the way of thinking and um, but obviously still had a, a love for the, for the Fijian culture uh, but, yeah, it was, um, I guess, a, an opportunity that came about um, in my last year of rugby league, 2013, um, I had finished in 2012 in the NRL, but 2013 I'd gone back and I just wanted to finish where I started my rugby league career and that was just back with the Redcliffe Dolphins playing in the Interest uh, Cup and I was, you know, a good part of, what, 36, 37 years of age and play <laughs> Interest Cup just one last time and, and, yeah, it was a bit of a promise that I had uh, with the president of the Redcliffe uh, Dolphins uh, Football Club that when he signed my papers to, to, to leave Redcliffe and, and uh, to take up my opportunity with the Broncos, I think that was 1995, he just had a bit of a sly remark around, you know what, um, I'm letting you go, but you know you've got to have one more year when you come back. Um, and I said, door was <laughs> open on Petro. And, you know, we always joked about every year that I'd see him or any time when I was at home and, 
and going to watch the local footy footy games, um, he'd always have a sly remark about it, you know, and a sly remar- reminder. And then, yeah, when mm. I, I retirement in 2012, um, one of the first phone calls I got was uh, was from him, and uh, he just mentioned about uh, the opportunity to come back and. The, the body was holding up okay, um, so I thought I'll do it. And it was it was a great way to finish off my footy. I, I uh, played in that uh, that year and 2013 in, in the Interest Cup, Super Cup. It was a uh, it was a tough one. We had um, some some very good teams running around, and uh, I certainly felt my age uh, <laughs> running into the likes of Jason Tomalolo and, and Michael Morgan and some of these guys that were, I guess, uh, just starting their rugby league careers and 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 um, you know trying to prove to the Cowboys that they had what it took. So. Some some really good quality players, and then uh, 2013. That was the um, the year of the Rugby League World Cup in England, um, and then I got a phone call from Rick Stone, who was I think coaching at um, at the Knights at the time, and he had uh, the coaching job for the Fiji Bati, and asked if I'd want to you know take up an opportunity just one last time playing rep footy, and uh, I, I thought you know why not, and um, yeah, that's that's where I guess I I, I got back into. Um, you know the, the Fijian um, understanding of, of of culture and things like that. It was mm. a great learning experience for me, and um, I enjoyed it thoroughly. And that's 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 I guess where it kicked off everything that I'm currently doing um, in regards to Fiji. Wow! And so the foundation is happened after that. Then when you're going back there and you're trying to get other people connected to it, yeah, that's right. I I, I knew when I playing for Fiji there was something. That I needed to do, and that was to, to try and give back to to the country where I was I was born and where I was brought up. Um, and I thought, what better way to do that is maybe just you know coming up with a bit of a charity or a foundation where I can use rugby league, the platform that rugby league had given me to to, to create some some real positive change here in the country. Um, and it just so happened that our liaison officer for the rugby league World Cup, um, Chris Tomlinson, uh, a, a bloke from the north of England. Um, just so happened uh, to to work in uh, community programs, and when I I approached him and asked him some questions around you know forming a foundation or a charity, he just said, "Look, I'd love to help you out." Um, and I thought it'd be a bit of advice, but six months later, I get an email after the League World Cup and said he and his partner Lauren uh, are prepared to to leave England, uh, move to Fiji to help start up my my charity. My Wow, and um, and they've been there ever since. It's uh, it's it's been an amazing ride. I think what are we hitting seven years now? With the foundation, and um, we've we've just done some amazing things over there, and I couldn't have done it without them. But um, yeah, they're they're pretty much Fijian now. <laughs> they are <laughs> part of the north of England, and yeah, the foundation just keeps going from strength to strength. And um, you know, as I said, it's just a, a way in which you know, I can, I, again, I can use the platform that rugby league's given me to, to create some some real positive change there in Fiji. Well, speaking of positive change, mate, uh, a lot of people would know a bit about the Kaiviti Silvertails, and I'm worried that I've pronounced that wrong. <laughs> silk- um, taking part in the Silvertails, actually, the Silvertails. Yeah, uh, what do I call them? I, I get mixed up with the old Silvertails, the old manly. Uh, yeah. Oh, did I say that? Because it says Silvertails, but I've can. I'm reading Silvertails, but I may have yeah. even said yeah. Silvertails. Oh <laughs> no, no. That, that's fine. <laughs> Don't worry. It's it's um it, it's it's uh, something that I think uh, a lot of rugby league people. Uh, uh, they're going to have to get used to because, uh, yeah, yeah we, we've named uh, the team after uh, a bird which is uh, found in uh, in the region where I was born, actually, um, the north of uh, north of Fiji. So um, the the, the silk tails, yeah, that's our, that's the, the name. Okay, well, that's my that's my one time I get to do it wrong, and now for <laughs> for the rest of the time, mate, I'll do it right. I promise. Now, take us back about five years. 
Who, whose idea is this? Where does it where does it first get generated? Well, again, it was off the back of the experience of playing for Fiji in the 2013 World Cup, um, talking to mm. our local players. Um, the, the, we had about five or six local Fijian boys that uh, had joined the rest of our squad, which majority of which were NRL New South Wales Cup players. Um, and, you know, they spoke about the hardship of, of just the challenges of trying to get noticed, you know, playing rugby league back in Fiji. Um, and at that time, um, the PNG Hunters had, had sort of come into the Interest Cup competition. Um, and for me, I think it was just, you know, that that was the perfect example of what could potentially be created in Fiji, you know, provide, uh, right. creating a team of local players that could play in an Australian competition. Um, so uh, on my return, uh, I, I, I asked around, um, you know, quite a bit. I, I approached the Queensland Rugby League about an opportunity maybe to bring a Fijian side in. Um, they at the time had brought in the Townsville Blackhawks, uh, and then also too were looking at a, a, a potential side out of Toowoomba. So they said that their quota would pre- was pretty much full. But uh, I was actually attending the State of Origin in two thousand fourteen. I met uh, a few board members from the New South Wales Rugby League, and they sort of mentioned the possibility of uh, of maybe bringing the team down into the Sydney Comp. So that was that was basically it i i probably realized logistically it was it was probably easier to go from fiji to sydney um and then you know for for my team it would be a bus trip to you know a lot, a lot of the the local grounds are in and around the the sydney area uh, region so um so that that was that that decision made there that it was now now going to become a fijian team playing in the new south wales uh, competition so it's been a long road um uh, you know lot, lots of many challenges and hurdles to to sort of navigate my way through but um, here we are today. Um, you know, we started this season. We uh, we we got the word that um, uh, sorry late last year that our team had qualified. Uh, we made a decision to, to play them in the Ron Massey Cup, uh, which is the third tier uh, competition. Uh, that hopefully um, you know we'll improve. That uh, we'll make our way gradually into uh, the the Canterbury Cup. Um, that's the the ultimate goal. So yeah, mm. it's it's basically just a, an opportunity to create the pathway for these young guys to to play in front of Aussie clubs and then hopefully there's a life-changing opportunity for them um, that, that, uh, that awaits on the back of that. Now, I'm going to get to the future, your future plans in a sec, but uh, I know there are a lot of people who listen to this that are in emerging nations or, or trying to do things that you're trying to do here. Can you talk us through what, what that five, six-year period was like? What were the challenges that you kind of faced and, and what were some of the ways that you can now, looking back, see, you know, were really great decisions that you guys made or, or things that you do differently? Yeah, look, I think, you know, you really need to have an understanding of um, um, the lay of the land in terms of how things are done in, in country. Um, and I think for me, you know, I, I very much had an Australian way of thinking on, on how things could be done. But, you know, I need an right. understanding and, and, and a, an appreciation of, of the work that goes on in country. Um, so there was a, a fair bit of, um, I guess, uh, a political touring and throwing, I, I guess uh, that's a way to put it. Um, you know, of, mm. of working with uh, the the governing body and the uh, the governing body in Fiji is obviously the Fiji National Rugby League. Um, so yeah, look, it was just a, 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 a trying to get an understanding of of what they would want in the team, and also to um, understanding on how I could contribute uh, back to the, the rugby league in in country. So um, so yeah, look, it was it was it was quite a, a period there of of just going to and fro, as I said. We had a few changes in, in the FNRL board over those years. So that, uh, again, uh, meant that I was almost having to start from scratch all over again. 
But yeah. I was lucky that, you know, we've got a fantastic Fiji National Rugby League board in at the moment that really could see the positives of, of what this team could mean for the local players in Fiji. And uh, uh, once we sat down and, and were able to, I guess, have some, some really good talks on on, on how we could complement um, rugby league in Fiji and the opportunities that we could create for these local players, um, it's been full steam ahead. And, um, you know, we, we, we basically qualified uh, last middle of last year and then it was more or less a, an opportunity to pick players from the local competition, uh, pick them in our Quaviti Siltail squad. Uh, and then we started training in November of last year and uh, had, had a wonderful pre-season and, um, and got to round one of uh, the Ron Massey Cup. Uh, we had a, <laughs> a great win against the, the, the Windsor Wolves. And uh, then, obviously, like the rest of the world, we've all been affected by uh, mm-hmm. um, our competition was uh, was was now cancelled. So uh, disappointing, but it was just great to see the boys finally be out on that field. But I'll tell you what, they're all excited about yeah. hopefully next year. And so what are the kind of things that the Fijians um, in-country are really hoping happens? What are the kind of imp- positive impacts they are hoping to see from rugby league being? Yeah, I'll give some real uh, deeper um, look at development pathways, not just for players, but also local coaches. I think, you know, we, we tend to focus mm. a lot on, on the players that are in these countries, but it's also, you know, we need to look at strategies and ways in which we can uh, empower and, and and improve the education opportunities for local coaches, local administrators and managers. So that's been a real strong focus for us is, is that we haven't just looked at the players and what we can can, can do to, to help them as well, but but also to, as I mentioned, looking at, you know, how we can um, help um, the the administration side of things, the coaching side of things of, of rugby league and country. Um, so I was really lucky. I was, I was fortunate to, to, to pick up some great support um, from the Pacific Oz Sports Program who is, um, is, is run by um, uh, the Australian Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade. Um, so had some great uh, discussions with, with DFAT last year. They could see what I was trying to do here and, um, and I was able to, again, pick up some, some, some support through them. And, uh, and, and through that, uh, that um, agency, we, we're looking at, as, as I said, looking at improving um, education opportunities um, for administrators and coaches in country as well. So um, it's been a great partnership so far, and we're con- going to look to continue to grow that um, on, on a on a bigger scale as well. Mm. Yeah, wow. Um, now, speaking of partnerships, you also have somewhat of a partnership with the Cronulla Sharks. Is that right? Yeah. Look, we we uh, we, we did have an a, initial partnership with Cronulla Sharks. Um, it was for this season, but unfortunately, as I said, with uh, with Corona, um, that mm. partnership. Um, We'll, we'll finish this year. So um, I think, you know, it's really exciting uh, what we actually provide for clubs in, in, uh, in the NRL especially, um, a development pathway for, for NRL clubs um, to look at. So, yeah, look, yeah. We, we've had some initial talks with, with other NRL clubs. So I think, you know, we'll make a decision sort of towards the back end of this year on, you know, who we partner with. And uh, as I said, you know, we, we're, we're – wonderful development pathway for for NRL clubs in that, you know, we um, assist in identifying the top, you know, rugby league, local rugby league talent in Fiji and hopefully, you know, there could be the next Suliasi Vunuvalu or Viliami Kikau or you know, <laughs> one of these young Fijian superstars that, you know, we're seeing in the game at the moment. I mean, hopefully we, we're, we're going to provide a wonderful platform to be able to uh, showcase um, these talents to, to potentially an NRL club out there that would be interested in, in partnering with us. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, now, what about also? I'm not sure if you've seen much around the Pacific Tears. Have you seen the Pacific Thirteen? Oh, I haven't uh, at the moment. I'm sorry. No. Okay, so there's there's a push at the moment for uh, similar to what you guys are doing now, inspired by what um, you and and PNG have done. There's a uh, like New Caledonia yep. French speaking um, vibe of the world. They're trying to put t- together a team as well that would also play in New South Wales sure. or Queensland. And so and so I've I've told you about it. So this <laughs> next question might not work very well, but would you consider a warm up game with a team like that that's also trying to get on its feet while you guys are also trying to work your way through oh, your first definitely. year? Yeah, look, I think um, this this is what opportunities like this create is uh, ways in which you right. know we can all work together because ultimately what we want right, mm. for 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 local players in these specific nations. So uh, most definitely, I've, I've actually spoken to uh, Matt Church from the PNG Hunters as well, who's the coach there. And um, you know, there's there's a possibilities of, of us playing against them too. So, you know, there, there's just some some great opportunities that can come off the back of of you know working together, um, growing growing these pathways, growing these um, uh, these opportunities to, to to give these players the very best um, um, you know showroom, like, you know, the best best way to put it. We're we're putting them in the showroom so that they yeah. can can see them. And, and hopefully, um, you know, take them off our hands and, and, you know, it's up to them to do the rest. So you talked before um, about being on Ron Massey with a view to get into the Canterbury Cup the following or well, as soon as you can. What are the kind of plans that you can put in place to try and get that to happen? Yeah, look, I, I think it's really important that, um, you know, we're, we're going to work very closely with the Fiji National Rugby League um, in creating um, our um, Elite Development Pathway uh, Program. Um, now, uh, we've, we've just set up our... Centre of Excellence in Latoka. Uh, Latoka is uh, just to the north, uh, 20 minutes north of, of Nandi, the main airport there in Fiji. Uh, and we've got a, a, a facility there that that is, is uh, yeah, I guess you, there's nothing like it in Fiji. Um, we, it's a three-storey building um, mm. that I've leased. And then we uh, have our gymnasium downstairs. We Our players live on the second level and we have our offices on the third level. So that's our Centre of Excellence, our Kaviti Siltail Centre of Excellence. And then... We're now branching ourselves out um, again uh, to create, you know, gymnasiums, um, uh, high-performance hubs in different regions around Fiji. So we're uh, we've just got a container actually that's going to leave um, Brisbane um, in in the coming days with a heap of gym equipment. So we're going to set up um, uh, our high-performance hubs in Suva and then in Singapore. Uh Again, this is all around. Um, working with the Fiji National Rugby League to work with their elite, elite players in these different regions so that ultimately they'll get picked for the Silk Tales. Um, so that's been a really strong focus for us is looking at the local development um, and how we can complement that. And uh, we've identified one way which we right. can do that is, again, uh, creating these high-performance hubs uh, for our uh, local players to train in and then, uh, and then bringing them into ultimately what will be our, uh, our, our top squad and then um, when players get selected for the Silk Tails, uh, the remainder of our squad will filter back into the local Vodafone Cup competition. So um, it's a real good way in which we can try and upskill local players, um, expose them to a higher level of training, um, nutrition, strength and conditioning, and then, um, and then um, for those that are fortunate enough to make the top squad um, to play in Sydney, that's great. And, but the remainder um, still filter back into the local comp uh, but then, again, obviously get those opportunities to try at that higher level with us. Now, okay, so, I mean, this sounds phenomenal, particularly things like the, the, the Centre of Excellence and stuff. But, Petro, if I, could, if I could put us in a time machine and move us, 
10 years in the, into the future, what would be the most, what could be like the most amazing thing that you could see in Fiji football? Like, what would you be like? Yeah. Like we get out of the time machine uh, in server and you're like, this is like the gold dream. What's something that you'd be like, that's, I can't believe this is what yeah, look, I think um, for, for us, um, the, the, the big picture is, is hopefully playing the Canterbury cup. Um, Look to, to go to create an NRL team out of the Pacific. It, it's it's a, a massive undertaking. I know it's been mentioned before. Look, I just think that could be uh, a bit a bit way off, or, or, or whether it could be a combined Pacific Nations NRL club. Um, but again, um, the finances that you'd need to, to to create an opportunity like that would be huge and um, legit. Yeah, we don't have to worry about that. We got into a time machine, Petra. Yeah. We can do whatever we want. So we get there. You, you've got an NRL yeah, look, team. I love yeah, it. If, if it's not an NRL team, we're definitely playing in the Canterbury Cup. I mean, that, that, that's the second tier competition is, is a wonderful mm-hmm. uh, platform for us to be able to expose our local players to. Um, I think it wouldn't only just be a men's comp, men's team. I think you know we're, we're definitely looking at, at uh, along the lines of hopefully starting up our our uh, girls and women's rugby league academy through through the Silk mm-hmm. Tiles. So I'd like to think that, you know, potentially we could have a club that has men's, women's, uh, jersey flag, um, you know, uh, junior sides that we're bringing to Australia week in, week out, and we're exposing these local players to, to playing in Australia and, as I said, hopefully putting putting them in, in the shop front window. Um, and I think uh, ultimately, you know, if, if these sorts of things are, are not only replicated, not in just P&G, um, you know, obviously Fiji, you mentioned there the Solomon Islands, um, working also in with Tonga and Samoa. Um, what, what hopefully what will, will, mm. will happen is we, we're seeing the, a, a real um, surgence, uh, a resurgence of, of rugby league within this, this specific region because I think um, ultimately, um, you know, what will create a really strong NRL is obviously, um, you know, Australian-based teams, our Pacifica nations represented in there as well. And, um, you know, Imagine the test matches in 10 years' time and the strength of those oh, test matches. Mate. Potentially, you know, we could have an amazing, you know, Fijian, Tongan, Samoan, um, PNG, uh, a team from Solomon Isles, Vanuatu, uh, the Cook Islands. I mean, it is just going to be uh, a, a wonderful, you know, rugby league hotbed of, of, of just, just talent and, um, and then wonderful rugby league that's going to be played in the future. Now, Rugby Union, though, has quite a good stronghold in a lot of those places. Is that... Is rugby union an issue in, in Fiji, or or is it is it seen as maybe something that can support rugby league, or yeah, what's look, the vibe there with it? It would have to be the number one code, um, uh, to be honest. Uh, you know, rugby league's growing at a rapid rate, but you know, rugby union, especially rugby sevens, is is, is by far the number one uh, rugby code in, in Fiji. But what we're seeing is that right. because of the likes of the Suliasi Vunivalu's and the the the, the Bill Kickows and and these players that are, are, are just playing uh, uh, amazing rugby league, it's really opening the eyes of kids. And and I think, for me, it's it's not so much going up against rugby union. I think we need to all work together because ultimately what we're trying to do mm. here is create opportunities, life-changing opportunities for our young people. Um, and this is the wonderful platform that, that sports creates for us. Um, you know, it, it can be life-changing. And um, we've seen that on, on many occasions, whether it's semi-round Radra or... I mentioned those two blokes yeah. before. The sport can change lives, and and that's what we want to do. And 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 the benefits that 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 could created. You know, we can use sport, and as I'm finding in the foundation is by using sport, we can create some some wonderful wonderful change and wonderful programs. Our, my foundation's focus on diabetes education. 
unfortunately diabetes is a huge huge issue in the Pacific right now. But you know, maybe we can all work together to use sport as a way of changing that um, and creating better education you know, for uh, for our people and villages, um, better healthier choices, and hopefully, um, yeah, we can, as I said, create some real positive change. Yeah, love it. And and look, we can't be angry with rugby union because now that we found out that your dad came over here for it and we got <laughs> Petro out of it, you know, we're going to have to be somewhat happy with the union. Now, look, can I throw this weird hypothetical at you because a couple of fans asked it and you can brush it away if you want or you can or you can have a real crack at it. If you were Jason Tamalola's age and playing in the NRL with the international landscape the way it is today, would you choose to represent Australia or would you maybe choose to represent Fiji? Look, I think the way things have changed and look, you know, Tonga have done an amazing job. The, the players that, that have put their hand up to, to represent Tonga, um, you know, really could have, could have alienated them from, 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 from the game. But I think what they did, because it was a unified decision by all those, those top-line players to do it, I think it's showing a really strong message out there that, you know, the Pacific Nations, it's time that, you know, we, we, we start to really look at, at how we can develop the game rather than take players out of the Pacific and then stick them in the Australian jersey or the, New, or, the, or the New Zealand or Blacks jersey, whatever it is, I think, you know, there really needs to be a focus on how can we create positive um, opportunities, not just for players, but also to administrators, things like that, which will empower those countries because at the end of the day, um, you know, players playing overseas, it, it you know, the players send back money to their families in the villages, um, we, we can create, mm. as I said, health programs that, that look at, you know, improving uh, the longevity of, 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 of people's lives in the Pacific. There are just so many positive uh, things that, to look at. But I, I would definitely would think that now that Tonga's, uh, those Tongan players like Jason Tamalala have really stood up, I think it's sent a very clear message to a lot of the Pacific Nations players that, you know what, it's great to represent our heritage um, and, and again, it's, it's all about growing the game. And I think, you know, we've got a wonderful opportunity to do that. Yeah, great, mate. So let's talk about support. How can people, someone listening at home now, um, super keen with the silk tails, <laughs> how, how can we yeah, support? Yeah. I got it right as yeah. well. Nailed yeah, it. Uh, yeah, jump <laughs> onto our, our, our Kaiviti Silk Tails uh, Rugby League Facebook uh, page. If you just type in Kaiviti Silk Tails, you'll find us there. And, um, you know, we've um, started to put up some some stories about our local players but you know your support is fantastic and uh, as i said it's all about spreading the gospel that is rugby league and uh we'd love our supporters not just obviously fijian based um we'd we love um rugby league supporters from australia new zealand uh the wider pacific region we've we've actually got people logging in from uh, america and uh in the uk as well that um that love their rugby league but um been sort of captured by mm. what we're trying to do here with this uh, with this Fijian team. So, um, yeah, love your support, and uh, you know we're looking at you know uh, opening up some memberships and sell, selling some merchandise uh, on that page very soon. So, uh, yeah, keep keep an eye out. Fantastic, man! I'll be I'll be there. I'll be no, number one <laughs> member. I can't wait. Um, this this has been um, great, Petra. That's all the questions and comments I have. Did you have anything else no, before mate, that, we finish? That's pretty much it. Um, yeah, just well, mate. Thanks so much for uh, giving me an opportunity to have a chat about it. It's uh, it's great to to, to tell um, you know the wider rugby league community about what we're trying to do here. And um, no, mate, thank you so much for uh, for the opportunity.